Welcome to College Hoops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Maysano. This is your weekly college basketball radio show right here on WVOX 1460 AM in New Rochelle, New York. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for being part of our show. So in the booth today, I am joined by the infamous and top caller to our radio show who's in the booth, Kenny from Rye who is really Kenny Nixon, a guy I grew up with, know him since third grade. Hello, Kenny from Rye. James, how we doing? Doing great. So happy to have you. Great to be here. So we have a lot to talk about today. After four days of like 12 hours of basketball a day, uh, we could probably have this show for like five hours. We only have one hour. Let me talk about two guests that will be calling in in the course of the show for me and Kenny from Rye. Patrick Madden, our friend from the Big Big East blog, will be calling in. Also, Gus Kearns, he's the host, founder of Screen the Screener podcast, been on the show before, excellent. He's also a college basketball host for the Rave On Sports app. Uh, he's a collaborator uh, with Randall Rant uh, on a Fox uh, for FTN College Basketball betting show. He does a lot of things. He knows his stuff. He'll be a great guest. Uh, looking forward to talking with Gus Kearns. Um, and the last part of the show, uh, we'll... Just keep rolling, Kenny. I will see if anybody calls in. So, Kenny from Rye, have you recovered from watching basketball for 48 hours? Yeah, until 1 o'clock in the morning last night, which was the Gonzaga game, which was an excellent game. Excellent game. game. Glad to watch the whole thing. Uh, it was a little tough on a Sunday night, but uh, definitely worth it. And uh, TCU showed some tough chops, but Gonzaga's offense is a little bit difficult to control these days. So, as I've admitted to you in the past, I have a secret crush on Gonzaga. I don't put them down as the teams I root for because people already think I root for too many teams. So I don't say it, but I have a secret crush. So when Gonzaga is in the NCAA tournament, I always root for them. So I had a lot of fun rooting for Gonzaga last night uh, in the middle of the night. Yeah, I, I liked them early on in, uh, with regards to the, going to the Final Four. Um, it makes me a little bit nervous, though, look, looking at UConn the last couple of weeks, in particular through the Big East tournament. Uh, UConn's big, strong, tough, and so I think Gonzaga's going to have a little bit of a problem with their defense and their size when they come up against them soon. I agree. Be, so this game with UCLA and Gonzaga <clears throat> in the Sweet 16 is going to be terrific. It's like one of the premier games in the Sweet 16, but we'll get to all of that. All right, we're going to start with the Iona University Gales right down the road, one mile from our station. Uh, we, this show always covers the Iona Gales. Uh, we're proud of the season the Iona Gales had. They Went toe-to-toe with UConn for a half a game. Played some terrific basketball, but unfortunately for Iona, they met the wrong team on the wrong day because in the second half, UConn played at a level that could beat any team in America. Yeah. Second half. Uh, let me just point it out. In the first half, Iona led 39-37. to But in the second half, UConn was explosive and beat Iona 50-24. to Final score, 87-63. to so the Gales got knocked out in the first round. A tough loss. So, but great season. Great season for Iona. Awesome season for them. And I think, you know, they went up against the team, and we talked about it last week with regards to, you know, the problem Iona's going to have is dealing with the two, you know, well, one seven-footer and one six-foot nine, 250-pound center. It was just going to wear them down, and that's exactly what happened. They played extremely well the first half. I think everything went their way shooting and everything else, and then the second half, it just became a physical uh, mismatch, and I think that's what it kind of grinded down to. Let me throw some stats at you, just to show you what Iona went up against, the juggernaut of UConn that Iona went up against. 
field goal percentage for UConn was 49%. They made half their shots that they took. Uh, they made 44% of their three-pointers. Ironically, so did Iona. Uh, so Iona lost by 20, shooting 44% from three. On the free throw line, 86%. They led Iona in rebounds. This was deadly. This is where Iona lost the game. Uh, 45 to 29 on rebounds. But here's a stat, too. Real great credit to UConn. They led in assists 24 to 9. They got 24 assists. That, that's a credit to UConn's ball movement throughout the game. Uh, they passed. They hit the open man. They got a lot of open shots. That's why they got 49% field goal percentage, 44% three-point percentage, because they were moving the ball so well and got 24 assists. It was really a terrific performance by UConn. There really wasn't much Iona could do in the second half when UConn got on a roll. Yeah, exactly. And I think the situation for them is that it is exactly that the ball moving in, you know, in and out, in and out, uh, down to the big man, and then kicking it back out was was a big factor, particularly again in the second half, where it had it had to go basically perfectly for Iona to kind of stay in, and it just was, as you say, too much, and that was proven by the, the uh, mismatch on the boards. And Walter Clayton got 15 <clears throat> points against UConn. Dennis Jenkins got 14 points. Derek John-Louis played particularly well, 13 points. The one guy who had a tough day was Nelly Jr. Joseph, who's been a star for Iona for three years. He had to go against two, like, four or five-star players at center. It was a tough night for him. He's, you know, he represented himself well. He got eight points and five rebounds. Okay, we have a caller. Uh, all right, so let's go Let's go to the phone line. We'll go to our phone line. Uh, good evening. This is Kyle Troops Chat. It's Mitchell. Hello, Mitchell. How you doing? Listen, all I'm going to say is, as my adopted team it was just a half too long if you know i always think these games should be 20 minutes that's more than enough well if this game was 20 minutes iona would have been going to the second round of the ncla tournament unfortunately exactly. iona hit a juggernaut in the second second but, half but, and uconn was fantastic but uh, hey we love our gales here on college troops chat and uh, i appreciate we, the call mitch we do but you know understand I, you know i'm a queens boy right yes and iona's lost is my team's, my home team's game. St. John's made the announcement. I know. We're, we're Right now, we're, so we're going to talk about that on the show today. We have some thoughts. Uh, so we appreciate that. And it's true. I am happy tonight for St. John's fans. A little sad for Iona Gales fans, but I am happy for St. John's fans. Well, listen, one last thing. What happened to the girls? I didn't hear anything about the girls' team. They, uh, I know they lost, but did they, get, did they win? The, what happened in the first round? They played Duke. Uh, they, they lost, right? They're on the women. They lost the game, yeah. I mean, yeah. Duke's very good. Yeah. I mean, That's similar team. to a matchup with the boys. Yeah, they had a tough game against Duke. <clears throat> well, all I can say is I saw them when they went in for lunch at the, at the North End Cavern. They looked nice and relaxed and comfortable. I guess they gave it their best. Hey, listen, if we could get both of them in next year, why not? Sounds good. Mitchell, good, I'm with you. Have a good evening, guys. Thanks so much for the call, Mitch. Okay, that's our friend Mitch Tarnable from New Rochelle. I appreciate the call. All right, so uh, we so we have another caller? Okay. Uh, Patrick Madden, are you there? Uh, am I there, Jim? You're there. You're on the live. Yes, sir. Okay. How you doing, Patrick? Can't complain. All right, so we're going to do a segment now. Feel free to join in, the three of us, me, you, and Kenny from Rye. Kenny's in the studio. Uh, I only want to deal briefly. I'm not spending... Too much of the show on the coaching carousel. But since my phone blew up today, people wanting to talk about it, I'll respect uh, the wishes of some of the supporters of our show. But at the end of the day, this show is about the college athletes that play tremendous basketball this weekend. So we're going to get back to that, Patrick. But 
So let's just get it. So I will go first if you guys don't mind. So as we know, two big coaching change happened today, right? Rick Pitino, the Iona Gales coach, signed a six-year uh, giant contract to go to St. John's. Uh, and Ed Cooley, who coached at Kenny from Rise team, Providence, switched over to Georgetown. Two giant coaching changes in the sport of college basketball. So let me say this to open up, and then Kenny and Patrick can chime in. So I, I never begrudge any human being who feels like they want to make a change professionally in their life. Uh, I'm a believer in freedom, and uh, as long as contracts are paid off and uh, uh, rules are followed, if someone wants to change their job, Rick Pitino did not even have a buyout at Iona. He could go anywhere he wanted after this season. He spent three years at Iona. He did a great job as the coach. So best of luck to Rick Pitino. I just want to say, uh, as a as somebody who covers Iona, I've interviewed Rick in about 75 interviews. He has been professional. He's been a gentleman. He's been a nice guy every time I interviewed him. So uh, I will miss interviewing Rick Pitino as the coach of Iona. I wish him well at St. John's. Uh, on the flip side, though, I must say, it is disappointing that Rick Pitino left after he spent two years telling us, this is my final stop. Uh, I love coaching in Iona. Uh, this is how I'm going to wind up my career. This is the perfect place to wind up my career. Rick probably shouldn't have said all those things to Iona fans. Uh, I'm going to say that for the record. I want to make that clear. I like Rick Pitino. I wish him well. I wish he hadn't said all those things to Iona fans because I care about the Iona fans. I did this show because a lot of Iona fans tune into the show here. So um, I think Iona fans got somewhat misled, but look, these things happen. I understand that. I wish Rick Pitino well. Part two, Ed Cooley. I like Ed Cooley. He's a great coach. I think he did a fabulous job at Providence. Um, but sometimes I think Ed Cooley was the right guy in the right place at the right time. He's like the king of Providence. He walked into a situation where he was totally ready to excel. He did a great job uh, with Providence. Uh, and uh, now he's leaving there to try to do the same at Georgetown, which is not his home turf, not his home base. I think it's going to be a challenge for Ed Cooley, but at the end of the day, we'll see how he does. I do think Ed, Qual Ed Cooley is a quality basketball guy. All right, I got what I had to say off my chest. Kenny from Rye, you're up. Well, I think the Iona situation was pretty simple. I mean, you, you saw, you heard, or you saw, you read uh, Patino's frustration with regards to kind of the, the division that Iona was in, that mid-major uh, you know, one in, you know, you get one team in every year, and they have to win the tournament to get in. And they don't get it. They don't get it at, at large. So he made that kind of clear. And I did think you saw some frustration um, <clears throat> in him and some of his comments throughout the way. I think there's also a little bit of kind of once he was kind of cleared of the charges from the NCA that he kind of felt this was his opportunity to do this one more time to prove to the world or prove to those in the basketball world that kind of pushed him and shoved him out that, you know, he can still coach. And he's made it clear he's going to go another five-plus years. So um, I'm not surprised at all. I think it would be great for the Big East in general. It's unfortunate, but that's what happens in mid-major world. You lose your coach if he, if he is doing well. So it's part of the game. Also, uh, the president of St. John's is Father Shanley, who was the president of uh, Providence College uh, for a handful of years and was one of the architects of kind of the Big, Big East 2.0 and has been very, very aggressive with the change um, in, in sports, not only in Providence, but he's bringing that same uh, idea to, to St. John's as well. So I think there'll be some changes there in facilities, in emphasis, uh, things like that. So no surprise there. <clears throat> On the Cooley side, I, I, I am disappointed. I think from a standpoint of 
Poaching in-conference uh, uh, coaches is, 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 is difficult, and it's surely not illegal by way of the, stat- the statue was of the Big East, as far as I understand. But I do believe if Dave Gabbitt was here versus the current commissioner, this would never happen. So it does show a little bit of weakness in leadership in the Big East right off the bat there, and I think that's a problem. Um, I understand there's some personal issues around Ed and wanting to leave, and so that's understandable. Uh, Georgetown has some great history, but they haven't done much of anything in the last 10-plus years. So he's got a, a big road ahead of him. He did leave us in very, very good shape. It's been you know, a great run with him, great fan enthusiasm, and it's shown to be a good program. And if you look up the stats, Providence is a very, very lucrative job from a coaching standpoint. So he, they will not have their uh, lack of people applying for the job. So I, I will be interested to see what, where they go, but I think the opportunity is there still, and I think it's still a great place to coach. Patrick Madden, you're up. Yeah, uh, the reality of the situation is that Cooley must have perceived that Georgetown was the place he'd have a better opportunity to get to a Final Four or an Elite Eight, whereas maybe he thought he hit his ceiling at Providence. He had two of the best years you could ever have hoped for the last two seasons. Wins the regular season title in 2022. He was ranked a lot of 2023. He was contending for the regular season title this season before they sort of collapsed in the last couple of weeks. So maybe he just got to the point where he said, you know, I've hit my ceiling at Providence and I need someplace else. And Georgetown just happened to open up, you know, the bank vault and said, you know, you know, come on down, probably because, you know, they perceived it two different ways. They're getting a better coach and they're making a conference rival weaker. And I do think that there is something not totally you know, kosher about the whole move, but in 2023, this type of happens. Think about Chris Beard when he was at Texas Tech a couple of years ago, and then uh, Texas makes him a big offer to move to, to a different school in the Big 12, and he sort of left you know, Texas Tech sitting out in the lurch. So this is going to happen you know, every place, so the Big East is not immune to it, and... Uh, this is just something which, you know, if people are just unfortunately going to have to accept because ultimately college basketball is a business. Okay. Uh, I think Here's one. I think, Go for the other. I think St. John's, it was sort of predestined for decades that this was the spot that Rick Pitino ultimately wanted to be at. The timing was never great. Uh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit on the blog on Wednesday about, you know, every other time that Pitino was available and St. John's wasn't and vice versa, St. John's became available and Patino wasn't, and now, you know, 35 years after it could have happened, it's happened now. So, uh, and I think that, you know, there's going to be excitement. Uh, we know Patino can recruit because look at the roster he had at Iona, and you got to think if he puts something that's even a little bit better up at Iona, he's going to be in the top half of the Big East uh, pretty quickly. I don't have any doubt that Rick is going to do a great job at St. John's. Rick Pitino wins wherever he goes, except for the Boston Celtics. That was like the one time Rick didn't win. But besides that, no matter Boston University, Providence, the Knicks, Kentucky, Louisville, I mean, all Rick Pitino does is win. He's a fabulous coach. I got to watch firsthand of his player development. You could see the Iona players getting better and better during the course of a season. Look, he's a Hall of Fame coach, and he's going to do a great job at St. John's. I think all three of us agree on that. I agree. I mean, I think from a perspective of what he's achieved in the past, from a standpoint of understanding players, plus he has he has the resume to sell to people coming into the program. 
look at how many people I've put in the pros. Look at what I have done. I've coached in the pros. I've, I've coached and been successful in college. So if you come here, I know the platform, and I will bring you to the next level. So he's going to be recruiting a different type of basketball player at St. John's. All right, one final comment I want to say, and then we'll move to the players and games, okay? And that is, I do think that the transition at St. John's to get to the top part, top four or five of the Big East may not be a one-year cycle for Rick Pitino. You know, he's got to get into that portal. He's got to do recruiting. Um, he's been out of that world a little bit now for about five years. So it'll be interesting to see how he puts it all together. It may not happen in year one. That's what I just want to put out there. All right, Patrick, tell me what you're most excited about of the first four days of the NCAA tournament. Uh, obviously, coming from New Jersey, you talk about Fairleigh Dickinson and you talk about Princeton, two low major schools. Uh, you know, Tobin Anderson is a name that I, a lot of Iona fans are excited about, and they're hoping that he takes over for Rick Pitino. Uh, he did a masterful job shutting down Zach Eady and Purdue on Friday night. Uh, he basically said, I'm going to put four guys on Eady. I'm just going to deny him the ball, and I'm going to dare Purdue to shoot over me. And Purdue was awful shooting from threes. But, you know, a brilliant strategy. That's what a lot of people have said about Anderson, uh, that he's a brilliant strategist. He just knows the game inherently, and it was just simply a matter of getting the opportunity at a Division One school before his career would skyrocket. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see whether uh, your friends at Iona have you know, already put a feeler out for Tobin Anderson uh, coming back from they played a really nice game last night against uh, Florida Atlantic and lost in the last couple of minutes. And I just want to make a follow-up to you, Patrick. Um, so what I'm hearing is that it's going to be a very thorough, full process interview any and all people they think could do the job well at Iona. They're going to do the job properly. They're going to do their due diligence. And Iona is going to come up with a great coach, they believe. So there's that. Go ahead, Pat. On the, on the Princeton, you know, they, they've won the two games. They beat Arizona a two-seed uh, in the first round on Thursday. And then they go and they beat Missouri in the second round, kind of like a team, another team from New Jersey from uh, the recent history, St. Peter's. Uh, so Mitch Henderson you know, who's put up together a pretty nice run at Princeton the last few years, but never won that NCAA game, has now won two of them. He's done something that Pete Carroll never did at Princeton, and that's to get the Tigers to the Sweet 16. Now, I think they're going to have their hands full uh, in, the, in, in, in the regionals against Creighton coming up. I think that's in the South region. I think that's on Thursday night. But, uh, you know, a tremendous job by Princeton. You know, they, they just do things the Princeton way. And I think that's something that in this day of age, play good fundamental basketball. Uh, they shoot the three very well. And that can frustrate a team like Arizona, who's just thinking they're going to roll over because of their talent, uh, a lesser opponent such as the Tigers. So Creighton plays Princeton Friday night, 9 o'clock on TBS. It'll be an interesting game. Uh, I'm not writing off Princeton because I never thought they'd win the first two games. So now I'm taking Princeton really serious. I Obviously, look on paper, Creighton has more talent. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, that'll be a good game. Kenny? Yeah, I think one of the things that happens is there's the, there's the euphoria and the enthusiasm of the first weekend. And I'm going to guess that a lot of those coaches didn't spend too much time scouting Princeton from a standpoint or how much tape they have on them. So what you see a lot of times in these situations, you have that Sweet 16 run or win those two games, and these are great wins. Let's not take anything away from Princeton. Beating Arizona and beating Missouri are two great wins. 
But what happens here is now is that the team from Creighton goes home and has a week to plan for Princeton. So the tape comes out. They find out where the weaknesses are. And I think so it's going to be, as you say, Patrick and Jimmy, it's going to be a different ball game come Thursday. And I think that that that's usually where you're going to run out of kind of room. All right. So we have with us on the line Patrick Madden, who is the host of the Big Big East blog. Patrick, as a huge Big East fan who knows as much about the Big East as anyone, you have to be really excited about the Big East. UConn played terrific in the first two rounds of the tournament. Uh, while Xavier got a scare in the first round, I thought uh, Xavier played very well in the second game. And then you, of course, have um, Creighton also in the Sweet 16 playing Princeton. So it was, I thought, a really solid first two rounds for the Big East. What do you think, Patrick? I would absolutely agree. I think Marquette disappointed yesterday, but they were playing a Michigan State team that was veteran, that has been in the tournament before, that has Tom Izzo, who seems to do his best coaching in March. So a bunch of stars aligned against Marquette in that very exciting afternoon game yesterday. Uh, but you talk about Connecticut, who looked awesome in those two games against the Gales and then against the Gales from St. Mary's. Uh, they're going to have their hands full when they play Arkansas out in the West Regional uh, because Arkansas, you've talked a lot about Arkansas's talent on the show, and I think it was just a matter of getting those guys in gear. Uh, they beat Kansas to one seed, I think, on Saturday. So I think that that's, that could be where the rubber meets the road for Connecticut uh, because you, you're playing against two guys who are uh, first-round draft picks for Arkansas, and that could be where Connecticut just can't overwhelm them with their talent. Xavier's playing Texas uh, out in, I believe it's the Midwest Regional, and you know that's a, that Xavier, Xavier's got tremendous offense against a team from Texas that plays very good defense, uh, and they're a quick team. So those are two things which are giving Xavier difficulty. But Sean Miller's an excellent coach. He's been the lead eight twice. He's done a great job in his first season with this roster. So do not count Xavier out when they're playing Texas. Uh, I think Creighton's probably got the best chance to make the Final Four in as much as they've got the best chance to make the Elite Eight. They then get the test in the regional down in the south to play number one Alabama. I agree. Uh, and that could be an interesting matchup. We'll see what Brandon Miller's like. He was pretty good over the weekend. That will be a very intriguing matchup if Alabama plays Creighton. Two of the best games on paper. Thursday, Arkansas versus UConn, 7-15 on CBS. And Xavier at Texas, 9-45 on Friday. Our biggest teams involved. I mean, those are tremendous basketball games. All right, Patrick, there's the music. Thank you so much for the call, Patrick, from the Big Big East blog. Thank you very much, Jim, and uh, I'll talk to you and Kenny later. Sounds great. Thank you. All right, we're going to commercial break, folks. Kenny from I will be back, and I will be back on College Troop Chat in a couple of minutes. Playing basketball, we love that basketball. Okay, folks, we are back on College Troop Chat radio show here on WVOX 1460 AM. I'm Jim of the host, and in the studio with us is our Number one caller, Kenny from Rye. Uh, Kenny, thank you for being here with the show today. And we have on the phone line our, our next guest, who is Gus Kearns, who is the host and founder of the Screen the Screener podcast. Gus, are you there? Uh, so nice to talk some college hoops, Jim. Thank you so much for having me on and talking with your audience. That's great. So you also do Rave on Sports App and FTN CBB on YouTube. Uh, I'm a fan of Screen the Screener. I listen to your podcast as well. You guys do a great job. 
So keep up the good work. We're happy to have you. We're on another time. You did a great job. So thanks for coming back. All right, first question. What were you most excited about in watching the first 50 hours of the NCAA tournament over four days? Jim, it has to be the Jersey toughness that exists inside this bracket. We've seen Princeton. We've seen FDU. If we go back a year, we go to St. Peter's. If we look at the number one scene, Purdue, we look at Rutgers taking them down. There, there's no shortness of Jersey toughness inside this bracket, Jim. Well, are you a Jersey resident? Absolutely. Oh, we we originate from New Jersey. Look at you wearing the fl- carrying the flag of Jersey. You go, boy. I like it. Uh, we, are, we, are, we are in Essex County and Bergen County originally. Uh, so, you know, anytime a Jersey program or a Jersey player, for that matter, look at Javon Quinterly from Alabama, uh, we're, we're, we're always away from the flag. You should. And so let's start with the story of the tournament so far. Even though they only won one game, but they played very well in the second game, okay? Uh, and that is fairly Dickinson, uh, FDU. I mean, I don't think anyone in America expected this, did they, Gus? No, absolutely not. And the reason that nobody expected this is because of the computer numbers. And FDU also did not even win their, you know, tournament championship. They lost to Merrimack. Merrimack is uh, not eligible for postseason play. So the, the Cinderella story actually had another layer to it here where FDU wasn't even a true necessary participant. But... This FDU team was amazing, and it not only did it have the Cinderella aspect, but it also had the, the, the average height of this starting lineup was the shortest in college basketball inside the, the, the field of 68. So you had everything you wanted going here for, for Fairleigh Dickinson, and it was amazing. Tobin Anderson. I mean, this guy's now got a national platform, a national stage. I mean, just remarkable what he did. He looks like a guy that's a unique coach that gets his players. He's got a style that's very difficult to play against. He, you know, he basically completely screwed up Purdue's fabulous season they were having. Um, I'm still a little shocked by their FDU win over Purdue, but they did it. They beat them head-to-head. What do you take on that game? Listen, they did an unbelievable job against one of the tallest, and possibly he might end up being the player of the year in college basketball, in our sport, Zach Eady, they cracked down from every angle imaginable. They doubled. They tripled. They came high. They came low. The, the defensive you know, profile that they brought against Zach Eady was unbelievable. So the fact that they made him so uncomfortable, and then they also closed out with purpose on those shooters. It's not like they just like stayed in the double team. They retreated back to those shooters with purpose, closed out with the left hand on right-hand shooters. It was really impressive. And I think Tobin Anderson is just going to be one of those names that you hear for one of these other jobs. And keep in mind, Tobin Anderson has only been on the job for 10 months. He's accomplished more than any college basketball coach has in 10 months. He's really impressive. So, folks, in case you didn't know, he came from St. Thomas Aquinas, where I'm looking right now. He won 77% of his games in Division Two. It's Division Two, right? Mm-hmm. Right, it, right. He, and, he, and, Jimmy, he brought some of his players from that St. Aquinas team to this FDU team that helped defeat the number one team in the country. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, um, it's a great story. 
It's everything we want in the NCAA term. See, a guy who went from Division Two, he moves up to Division One, and his first season gets in the NCAA term and upsets a number one seed, uh, Purdue. It's an incredible story, and I'm so impressed. I'm kind of curious what happens to him next. He may not remain at FDU. He may get some nice offers. Kenny from Ryan, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting, as you mentioned, he was in a Division II program 10 months ago, and then he gets the FDU and doesn't really get in the traditional way. As you say, it kind of gets in by default with Merrimack not being able to qualify. So that kind of also right. marked him down a little bit as well. So that, that <clears throat> you know, he had to kind of rally the team, and I think he did an incredible job of keeping the team loose and making them believe throughout the game that they can win this game. And as we know... When the team when the team that's favored by that much, it just gets a little bit more difficult as the clock winds down. It gets a little tighter, a little tighter, a little tighter. And you could see where Purdue didn't even want to shoot it at the end when they were trying to dump it down to Zach Eady with you know when him being triple covered. So it was an incredible job by FDU. Okay. So now uh, let's turn let's turn with our friend Gus Kearns to what's coming up on Thursday and Friday. When you look at these games, they're like amazing matchups, you know? I look at Arkansas at UConn, I think that's an amazing matchup. Gonzaga at UCLA, 9.45 on Thursday night. Gus, anything jump out at you as a game like you're dying to see as soon as you saw the schedule in the Sweet 16? Now, here's the thing that jumped out at me, Jim. And, and Kenny, great uh, point with the Purdue guards not wanting to shoot that ball in the kickouts. That was a really astute uh, observation on your end. I'm going to say that this Creighton-Princeton game is really interesting. And, Jim, if you remember the last time I visited with you and your audience, you know, we talked about a whole bunch of the Metro teams. And one of the Metro teams that we didn't have time for was Princeton. And one of the things I was going to mention, if we had a t- touch more time, was that, you know, Tosan Ibuwan is one of the most unique players inside of college basketball. But also, Princeton itself is unbelievable because they are fourth in the nation with shot quality as far as getting shots at the rim or three-pointers behind only Alabama and Liberty, who has Darius McGee. So this team is not going to get shorted on the offensive end. If they can somehow defend and rebound like they did in round two, then they definitely have a shot against Creighton. So that is the first matchup that totally you know, sticks out to me. What about you guys? Do you guys have a matchup that you're really looking forward to or that you guys totally have your eyes on? I have one. Now, first of all, my favorite one, because I just think both teams are great uh, and it's an interesting matchup. It's also a rematch of a Final Four. Gonzaga at UCLA. Well, not at UCLA, but Gonzaga versus UCLA, 945 on Thursday. I think that's a tremendous basketball game. And if you look at it, I think you might need to check out two sides of it. Number one, you look at possibly the player of the year. I, I don't know if that's going to happen in, in, in Drew Timmy. And you have him playing at an elite level. You have him passing out of double teams at an elite level. You have him making three-pointers. You have him you know, doing his usual head fakes. But then you also want to take a look at the UCLA roster and say, like, hmm, they don't have their best defensive player in Jalen Clark. Can they make up with that with Singleton on the outside with three-point shots? Can they make up with that with the freshman absolutely dominating on the fast break and on the defensive end? Can they make up with that with Bona being healthy? Those are a lot of question marks on the UCLA side. I would go with the certainty on the Gonzaga side with Timmy. 
Hey, you know, it's a great point. Listen, I also think that both teams are extremely well coached. Um, oh, unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Two of totally the best in there. the business. So that's an issue. The other game that catches my eye, we talked about it earlier on the show, um, but I was really impressed with Xavier this weekend. Uh, maybe they played three great halves, not four, but they got to the Sweet 16. I think they're going to give Texas a handful. No question. And here are two things to look out for in that particular game. Number one, we want to see if Solar Boom can find himself. He was a little bit lost the first two rounds, and I think he got through and navigated the, the, the Big E season absolutely brilliantly. But now he's like, oh, geez, I have to take on more of a responsibility because you know my best post player is injured and out. And I think the person that is going to help him do that is, is Desmond Claw, the freshman. If we pay close attention to how this freshman has played, Xavier is 10-1 and one when he plays 20-plus minutes over the second half of the season. And guess what he's going to get? <clears throat> Nothing but opportunity. So I think if Desmond Claude plays as well as he's been playing, you know, the last handful of games with this further opportunity, I, I think Xavier is going to hang right there with Texas. All right, so let's start the first game, the opening game of the Sweet 16, uh, both Gus and Kenny. Uh, we, we both get like 30 seconds each. Michigan State, Kansas State, what should people look for? Gus. Well, I think the first thing you want to look for for Michigan State is can those guards hang in there? Are the guards going to hang in there against you know K-State? We saw the magical thing that is Marquise Noel and talk about Jersey Tough. So can they contain him? I think that's the thing. Kenny, what do you think? Yeah, I think they saw, I think Marquette saw Michigan State on the other side of this bracket here and just was, you know, did not want to see them in this game. I mean, Izzo is just Mr. March Madness. There's no doubt about it. And I think this K-State, Michigan State is going to be probably one of the best, if not the best game of the weekend. I think Kansas, Kansas State has done an incredible job. That is a totally reformatted uh, roster and or team. And then Tom Izzo again. He 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 brings his, he knows how to get the team ready and focuses and gets to the Big East and is able to coach for that one win. And that's that's very different than winning a series. And so I think that'll be very very interesting. I think it's going to be a great game. All right, Gus, there's the music. You did a great job. Thank you so much for calling the show. We appreciate all your thoughtful analysis. Cheers. Cheers to you, Gus. Thank you so much. We'll keep in touch. All right, Gus Kearns. Did a great job. Kenny from Rye, awesome. All right, we're going to our commercial break. Coming back for the final segment of the show, I'm Jim Misano at College Hoops Chat. Basketball. We love that basketball. All right, folks, we're back on College Hoops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Misano. In the studio is Kenny from Rye, our number one caller. Uh, we're going to be talking more about uh, this past weekend, four days of great college basketball, also this coming Thursday and Friday for the uh, Sweet 16. Uh, Kenny, one game I watched that I was kind of shocked by. I don't know. I, hope, I, mean, I think you were like me. You watched it uh, uh, the uh, 12 hours a day. <laughs> but one game that I didn't expect Tennessee to blow out Duke. I, I was pretty surprised <clears throat> about it. I was very impressed with Duke down the stretch. Duke played some great basketball to close out the season. They were playing at a, a high level. The freshmen were all like playing like sophomores, and yet they Tennessee hit them with everything they had. Tennessee's defense was spectacular. They were bigger, stronger, thicker athletes. They were tough guys, and I don't think Duke knew what hit them. I was a little shocked by 
uh, Tennessee winning 65-52. You know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, Duke is just loaded with five-star prospects, as we know. But I know a little bit about Rick Barnes and kind of his philosophy from his days at Providence College. And he, when he was there, one of his wins was at the Big East. One of the things he does is he has been a huge proponent of weights. He was a. If you watched his teams when they come in as freshmen, they look like bodybuilders by the time they get out of their senior year. So, um, when his team walked on the court the other day, they just looked more mature, bigger, stronger, tougher uh, than Duke, and they weren't going to out offense him. I mean, from a standpoint of what Duke has, just from a you know perspective of the five star you know superstars that they recruit every year, Tennessee had to kind of make it a little bit ugly, but uh, defensively they looked awesome, and I think that that could play out you know all the way to the Final Four. One of the most physical teams I've seen all year was Tennessee against Duke. Now Tennessee plays on Thursday night, 9 p.m., against an upstart team that had an excellent season, Florida Atlantic, who knocked out the Cinderella FDU. Uh, I think Florida Atlantic will give Tennessee a game. I think that'll be an interesting game. What do you think? Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, you have to love Dusty May. I mean, from a perspective of, I think we've talked about him kind of all year because he's been, you know, he, he doesn't get the press that everybody else does, but he did nothing but win games. And from a standpoint of the, the commitment that FAU, we talked about them in general, not only in football, but in basketball, it's a team. So th- they are a program on the rise. I think the coach has done an amazing job, and I think he will have them ready for Tennessee. He's going to see what they what, what, what Tennessee did to Duke, and he's going to make the adjustments for that. I agree. So one game we haven't discussed at all on the show, which I think is a fascinating basketball game. You have an older tremendously great defensive basketball team, San Diego State, playing Alabama, who may have the most talent of any team in America. What a matchup. Older, rugged, uh, tough defenders in San Diego State up against a loaded athletic team, Alabama, 630 uh, on Friday, the March 24th. That should be an interesting game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, We've talked about San Diego State the last couple of years, and I think from a standpoint of where they are, they've always overachieved, and maybe they're not overachieving. Maybe they are as good as they as, exactly. they're, as they're showing us. So you know, we've got them as sort of a quote unquote surprise in the Sweet Sixteen. I don't think they're surprised. So I think it's going to be a great game against Alabama. Alabama's loaded with talent. Miller, I watched the other day; he's a superstar. Um, but SDSU kind of plays it tough. So uh, again, let's let's take them away from the fact that they're a kind of an upstart. They're not. They believe and they should be where they are. So here's a game that we haven't discussed yet. And this is a team that all year I've had difficulty analyzing because they play in the American Conference, which isn't that great. And that is Houston. They dominated their conference. They have very, they're, they're, all their players look like football players. They're all big, strong guys. They play the coaches, uh, Samson's defense to a T. They trap, they, they're athletic, they're strong they play great D. They're pretty good offensively as well. They move the ball. They're a very well-coached team of very strong athletes. So I really like that team, Houston. They're playing Miami, who had a really good opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. They had a nice run. So Miami versus Houston, I kind of don't know how to assess that game Friday night, seven fifteen. What do you think? If you look at the record, Houston has 33 wins. Now, if... if the AAC is 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 definitely a little bit of a, uh, I guess you'd say, kind of hurts their reputation. But um, from a perspective, it's still thirty three wins. They had a good, you know, early schedule. They're no mystery again either. You know, they have they were great last year, and I think they're, you know, they've really they performed as expected so far. I think Miami's interesting. the The ACC has been down this year, as we can tell, and uh, 
The fact is Miami has, you know, been the top team. And from a standpoint of uh, Laranega's troops, I mean, they are a defensive-oriented team. I thought they played very, very well against Indiana. We know Indiana's a good team. So I think this is going to be a great matchup. And and maybe, you know, uh, this is where Houston runs into trouble from a standpoint coming from a weaker division. Uh, You know, Miami has played well and seized all the top teams. In both cases, I thought the team that won overperformed. I didn't expect Houston to blow out Auburn early 81 to 64. And I certainly didn't expect Miami to blow out Indiana 85-69. It's a little closer, but still, that should have been a very close game on paper. One of the best players in America, Trace Jackson Davis, Indiana. A lot of good sporting cast. So Miami had a great win. Houston had a great win. That should be a heck of a game that not a lot of people are talking about. But that should be a tremendous game. I agree. And I think, you know, you have to give it a little bit of uh, hand for the the first game Miami played is Drake, too. Drake was an excellent team in a kind of a, quote-unquote, non-Power 5 conference. And I think that was a solid win as well. So I think this is going to be a great game. And I think Miami is going to be a very, very difficult uh, task for Houston. So... In the first two rounds of the tournament, did you see anything that shocked you? I mean, obviously, besides FDU, right? FDU shocked America. Nobody thought FDU would go in and beat Purdue and even hang tough in the second game against Florida Atlantic. So um, anything that shocked you? Yeah, I mean, from a standpoint, I guess, kind of under the radar, but you know, we've talked about it, is FAU. I mean, they've done a good job. I mean, they're a good team. Uh, they took on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they took on uh, Memphis and beat them, and I don't think people thought that was going to be the case. I saw Penny Hardaway's frustration at the end of that game, and then they took on a, you know, a particularly hot team. Now, obviously, maybe they got a little bit of lucky with getting FDAU, but FAU is a good team, a very, very good team, and I think the, the, the country will see that uh, in the game against Tennessee. I agree. All right, so let's do Thursday night. Let's have a little fun, you and I, and then we have a caller, so we'll hit the caller. But let's you and I jump. All right, so we have four games on Thursday night. Let's just throw them out there. You and I, you got Michigan State playing Kansas State. Who do you think's going to win that game? I like Mr. March and Mr. April. I like Izzo and I like Michigan State. I think they're on a roll, and I think you're going to see a, a team that's uh, very, very well coached, uh, particularly for March Madness. I'm going to go the other way. I like Kansas State. I like their three New Yorkers that are key of their players. They're tough New York kids playing out at Kansas State. I think they're very well coached. I think they're on a roll. I'm going to take Kansas State. Game two, which I think is one of the very best games on the schedule, Arkansas at UConn. What do you have? Uh, maybe a little bit of Big East bias, but I like UConn. I, I just think from a perspective of the way they're playing, as there was mentioned, moving the ball. Uh, you listen to the quote-unquote experts, those that follow college basketball from the standpoint of those who've played it, uh, and they, they see you know everything's going right for, for UConn. I, I know we, we know Arkansas has got some great guards and some potential NBA players, but I think the size inside and that particularly the surprise – uh, with how they're playing both uh, offensively and then just from a standpoint of what they're going to do on the boards. I'm, I'm, I'm cheering for and are picking UConn. Florida Atlantic at Tennessee, Thursday night, 9 o'clock. I think it's going to be a very close game that Tennessee is going to eke out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, from a standpoint of what we saw uh, against Duke, and again, realize who Duke is and how they were playing at the end of the year and what the talent they have. I think it's tough to argue with what Tennessee did to them. Uh, FAU is going to have a, a little bit of a tough, tough time here. Okay, fourth game, and then we'll go to our, our caller, Gonzaga at UCLA. Now, I admit I have a secret crush on Gonzaga. I tell that to all my friends. I, I kind of like Gonzaga. I'm going to pick Gonzaga. I think it's as much the crush as my analysis, but UCLA is missing their best defender in Jalen Clark. I think that that's going to be a, hurt them in that game because Gonzaga is loaded offensively. What do you think? Well, I think this is interesting. It's a defensive-oriented coach versus an offensive-oriented coach. So we'll have to see how it plays. But I do agree with sometimes this is where when you lose a player, 
<clears throat> that like they did at UCLA with regards to their best defensive player with Jalen Clark, that's going to come to come to roost at some point. Time. So I'm going with Gonzaga. All right, there's some fun predictions to <clears throat> kick off Thursday night. We have a caller on the line. I think it's one of our top Iona Gales fans. Uh, good evening. Is this John from Portchester? Yes, it is, Jim. How are you doing? How are you doing tonight? So how you, are you okay? I mean, uh, as one of the great Iona fans I know on this planet, you got uh, a tough loss on Friday and then... You lose your coach today. How you feeling, John from Portchester? Yeah, quite the roller coaster ride, uh, Jim. Um, obviously, not a shocker that he left. We knew before and uh, before the season was ending, and all the whispers and that sort of thing, that this was a possibility. Unfortunately, that took a lot of uh, it was center stage, even more so than the fact that the team was in the NCAA. So uh, this is a. Uh, you know, it's a tough. It's a tough thing that's going on right now. A lot of emotions. We lost. Uh, we now and our coach is gone. Now we're wondering who on this team that we've gone to embrace and root for and uh, and uh, uh, care for so much, where they're going to go. A lot of questions. So the, the knee jerk reaction is to say things and uh, and uh, and feel like you know you know and, and make comments right now. I need to right now. I'm, I'm wondering where it's going to play out, um, you know, and and where it's going to settle. Patino's gone, and that's it. We now have to move on. It's Iona College. I'm 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 confident they'll do something and get a, get a good guy. But yes, it was Rick Patino. That 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 part is is a disappointment. He he said he'd be here for the re, the remainder of his career. He signed a five year contract. Why that didn't take place. I guess we'll find out, but that part is very disappointing. And that's a fair expression. I, I really do. I, look, as I said earlier in the show, Rick said a lot of things about finishing his career at Iona. He probably should never have said them because he kind of misled the Iona fans. But I want to read a post I did on Twitter for the show right before I walked into the studio. I think Kenny from Rye and John from Portchester will appreciate it because I believe this because I'm an op- optimistic person. And here's my post. Iona has been a top mid-major program for decades. I've been a fan since Jimmy V beat Louisville at the Garden in 1980. Iona won 29-5 that year. Gales went to the Big Dance 16 times since then. We appreciate Rick Pitino's three great years, but Iona won before Rick Pitino, and Iona will win in the future. So I felt I wanted to say that because as Iona fan, you know what? We've always been winners. We were winners under Tim Kloos for years. We won under Kevin Willard, Jeff Rulin, Jim Valvano, Pat Kennedy. Iona's not going anywhere. Iona's going to move forward. They're going to get the right coach, and the program's going to be fine. What do you think of that, John, from Portchester? I, I think you've nailed it. And, uh, and, and mention, I'll throw Timmy Welch in the, into that mix also. Right, absolutely. 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 You're, you're right. And, uh, again, it, there's, a, there's a different level of expectations at Iona, and, 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 and we've met the challenge, and we're the, we are the class of that uh, – of that conference. So, yes, we will get past this whole Rick Pitino situation and move forward. We just need to get, we need to let some time pass and see what the uh, AD and administration does. All right, Kenny from right quick. I think it's a great job. Remember, it's not Rick Pitino University, it's Iona University. So it's a good it's a, it's a good job that people know. And if Rick Pitino took the job, they're going to have pl- plenty of people looking for the opportunity there. Well said. Job for Portchester, fabulous. Kenny from right. Fabulous. Thank you guys for being on the show. Enjoy the Sweet 16 on Thursday and Friday night, guys. Great to be here, James. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Joe. Hope you enjoyed our show. Call to get on WBOX.
Enjoy this weekend, Sweet 16 Elite Eight. We'll be back on Monday to analyze everything. I'm Jim Misano. Talk to you next Monday night. Bye-bye, everybody.